Welcome to the Go Lead Everything podcast. Do you aspire to become the best leader you can be? Then come along with me and GLE. Faith, love, integrity, courage. Four key values of great leaders all around the world. I'm Phil Swanson, and I'm on a mission to bring you leaders from all walks of life and arm you with the tools and mindset to lead effectively in whatever you are called to do. Are you ready? Because it's time to go lead everything. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to GLE. So the other day, I'm scrolling through Instagram, and I come across some really, really cool, impressive content, and I liked it because it really challenged the status quo. And that's what we're all about here at Go Lead Everything. We're about good leadership and good leaders. One thing they do is they challenge the status quo and they're not scared to, to speak up and talk about things that are important and really matter. So real excited for my conversation today. This individual, first and foremost, is a Jesus lover. She's a wife, a mom of two little boys, the host of the Living Easy podcast, which launched in October of 2019. And podcasting has her heart. She has grown her blog to 3 million yearly blog readers, over 400,000 podcast downloads, and a community of tens of thousands of women, which is really impressive. And she speaks with women, men, and her husband about everything from marriage, intimacy, and organization to hard friendships, budgeting, faith, and healthy eating as a family. I'm really excited to have Lindsay Maestas on the show today. Linz, welcome to GLE. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me, Phil. I'm excited to be here and thanks for the kind introduction. Yeah, <laughs> I welcome. appreciate it. For sure. Thanks. So you're, you're getting ready for a big move. I actually moved around a lot when I was younger. Are you excited? You. Yes, I am. So I grew up, my dad is actually, he's an international pilot. And so my love for travel started pretty young. He would take me with him. If he had a leg to like London, he would just let me on the plane, which is a dream. Um, It was wonderful, but I always say it was kind of a curse also because it's made it really difficult for me to stay still. Um, And I met Jesse, my husband. Now we've been married nine years, friends for 12. And when we got engaged, I just assumed everyone wanted out of my hometown, my city, like I did. And he didn't have the same idea at all. And Mm -hmm. he's very, very close to his family. So we um, almost called off the engagement because I wanted to move and he was stuck. And I say stuck. He, (laughs) he was, God called him to stay. And so we just kind of, I don't know. I let it ride for a long time. I mean, the entire time I stopped talking about it. I would kind of joke occasionally when we would travel. Um, but I knew that I didn't want him to become resentful of me Mm -hmm. if I force him to move. Um, or just like, did it gave him an ultimatum or something like that. I wanted yeah. Jesus to lead. And one day we were just driving and he said, and it was kind of mid COVID, which I think was a moment of clarity for a lot of people or a season of clarity. And he just said, I just don't think this is home anymore. And I was like, hallelujah, <laughs> it has been long <laughs> enough, but I feel the same still eight years later. So yeah. yeah. So now we're headed to Franklin, Tennessee, which is about 25 minutes from Nashville. Very cool. Great area. That's uh, that's going to be a great time. Y'all enjoy it. So Thanks. tell me a little bit more about your story and how you grew up. You mentioned your dad, you know, international yeah. pilot. 
what yeah. what led you down this path that uh, did you ever dream you would be a podcaster no um no not at all i thought i well i wanted i mean if we're going way back i wanted to be a chef on food network that was kind of my goal and i love to cook still but i am glad that wasn't the path that i took yeah i mean i grew up um divorce home. My parents got divorced when I was four and it was pretty tumultuous, like pops picking us up from the house to go to the other parents' house, like step parents trying to fight my real parents. It was really, really messy. And, um, we just saw a lot, I think. And so while we were, I mean, we were taken care of, we were always provided for, we were always loved, but those types of things never go away, you know, Mm -hmm. which is why I think I, I speak so passionately about marriage because I saw what it looks like when it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And I saw what it looks like when, um, parents are having to kind of fight over their children. It is devastating. And I think a lot of people think that it's the easy way out and it is just the opposite. It really is. It is so much more difficult than I think people expect it to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm all about fighting for your marriage. So yeah, so I grew up and I always did really well in school. I liked school. I enjoyed it, but I was also just a big mess in school. I was very, as I grew up, and this is kind of my story and what I share a lot about on the Living Easy podcast is like, you're more than your mess. You know, I I lived in so much shame because I was very promiscuous in high school, sleeping around. Um, I always say I had boyfriends and it's just true. I had boyfriends and then I had another boyfriend on speed dial just in case this one didn't work out, you know, like a guy Mm -hmm. on speed dial because I was so afraid of being alone. And, um, I had long-term relationships, which I kind of clung to. And most of them were extremely unhealthy. And I, I think I just, I kept giving myself away, um, because I wanted to feel that sense of love and passion. And I felt like if I give this to them, then I'm not going to lose them, you know? And it was just a lot of fear that ruled my life. And I grew up kind of, my mom became a Christian when I was about 14 and married a very strong believer. And he started pouring into my life and really exemplified what it meant to love Jesus. Like he repented to me humbly and would come to me in brokenness if something had gone wrong or we had had a disagreement. Mm -hmm. And that was just really, I mean, I had never experienced that before. You said you were 14? I was 14. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Just, he just would get on my level. And it's really important to me now with my boys, I have two boys, Sutton and Saxon, and it's very important for me to get on their level and look them in the eyes because I knew even as a teenager, how impactful that was for me. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. So he just started telling me, but I wanted nothing to do with it. Like I remember even specifically, they gave me a Bible and I started reading the old Testament and I was like, what God is this? And I chucked the Bible at the door and I told my mom to get it out of my room. And there were moments she would talk to me about Jesus. And I would just say, get out of your weird, bizarre fairy tale and live in the real world. Like I want nothing to do with it. I was very against it. Um, and so, yeah, I could go on and on, but I was introduced to Jesus at that time and then was surrounded. God, God had been tugging on me for a long time because even in my promiscuity and mm-hmm. um, the codependency and relationships, I always felt this sense of regret and of shame and of deep, deep conviction, which I didn't know was conviction at that time. Right. And a lot of the people I knew in my life could just go on and not really worry about getting like wasted at night and 
sleeping around and all those things. Like we were young kids and it's crazy to think back at how little we were, but they just, a lot of them just kind of lived. And I always wished I could live without that sense of, of now what I know to be conviction and guilt and Mm -hmm. like wanting more for myself in my life. Mm -hmm. So I was always seeking. Um, and then when I was 19, after a long, long journey is when I surrendered my life to Jesus. Wow. That's really cool. Did you have any faith background before that, before you were 14 when I think there were times we would go to like Bible nights for, but it was extremely social. Like I remember mocking what they would say. And I think it was it young life, young life. They, they do these like groups for schools and I would go and I only went to meet boys or just to be social and be with friends. Mm And it's a bummer because I look back and of course I don't want to live my life in regret. I feel like I've learned so much from everything that has happened to me and the decisions that I've made, no matter how poor they may be. Sure. I've learned so much and I've grown and I am able to talk about it now on the podcast and try to use it for God's glory. But I, it bums me out sometimes because I look back and I just see the people in the lives they lived. And like, mm-hmm. I always respected them, but I didn't know why. And I always like, I just kind of envied how they could have fun without being drunk or without doing drugs or mm-hmm. whatever it might be. I just wanted it, but I wasn't willing to mm-hmm. listen. I wasn't willing to hear at that time. So. Yeah. It's so interesting. I, I grew up lifelong Christian in a Christian okay. home, always considered myself a Christian and kind of a similar age. I don't know if I was 19, but I was 19, 20, maybe 21, some age in there when I was in college. And I had like, I still would, I was the unique guy that would get up early on Sunday morning after a night of partying and like haul up to my old church, like an hour away and still go to church every Sunday. And I just had this like wake up call one day of like, you know, I'm making all this effort. I'm going to church Sunday morning. Like, how am I living my life in college? Like I am when I say I'm a Christian and I believe this, but I'm living this other way where I'm going out and drinking too much and doing things I shouldn't be doing. And it was like, it was, it was kind of, you know, it's not, you know, probably the same as, as uh, your moment there, but it was, it was a time where I really feel like I finally felt that internal, I don't know what you call it, conviction or, or whatever you call it in my heart, where I was just like, you know, I need to live differently. I need to, my behavior needs to change. And, and with true faith, your behavior does change, right? Yeah. 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 Which, that sounds a lot like my husband. He, he kind of lived that life. And that's actually when we met, we met at a party and neither of us, like we knew we weren't supposed to be there. (laughs) I had just broken up with a boyfriend and he and I had gone like to church together all as a group. We went all in as friends, Mm -hmm. but we saw each other and it was kind of like, Oh, Hey. And then the next morning, cause he was talking to a friend of mine at the time, actually, um, dating her and Mm -hmm. which it's all clear and good. (laughs) So it wasn't a weird, messy situation, but he, I just told him, I said, Hey, I just, I really love my friend and I know I shouldn't have been there. Mm-hmm. And I feel like she's seeking, she was like seeking the Lord at the time. I'm like, I feel like you're like leading her astray. And I said, and I did too. And so I've called and apologized, but I think you need to like man up and just like live out what you say you believe. And he was like, wow, nobody's ever called me out like that before, (laughs) which I could have been much more gentle, (laughs) but he was like, this is appealing to me. And he was so intrigued by it. And then that's kind of where our friendship really started. Um, because he had kind of been living that way. And I think he just surrounded himself with people who didn't really care that he was. 
And I think it's easy to go down that slippery slope when you have people around you who don't really care about your faith. Yeah. You say that uh, relationships change everything. Yeah. So talk a little bit about why relationships are so important. Oh my gosh. I, I have seen in my life, every level, I think of a relationship and maybe not to the extreme that some have experienced, but I think I have seen just the impact and the power that they can have over the decisions that we make. Jesse and I strongly believe that the five people we surround ourselves with are the people who say the most about who we are. Um, and our relationships have changed over time, but they've always had the same focus since we've been married, which is Jesus, you know, and it's just allowed the relationship to be one that, although it is far from perfect, we can still work through things. Like if we, we have a lot of couple friends mm -hmm. and when we spend time with them, like we may have disagreements, we may have things that we don't see eye to eye on, but it always goes back to the root into the foundation. And I know a lot of people who are like, man, I'm just too lazy to have friends. I'm too lazy to like deal with sinful people because I'm sinful enough myself. I don't have the energy for that. And I just challenge that so much because I think when we are around people who are hard, it shows the root. Like it shows what's really going on in our hearts. I always say like if a cat were playing on a table and knocks mm -hmm. over an empty glass of water or an empty cup, I guess, empty glass, nothing's going to come out. But if the cat's walking around and knocks over a, a glass filled with water, the water mm -hmm. will pour out. And it's the same with us. If I am around people who are only easy, which is really only happens for a short period of time, right? Everyone has their junk. But if I'm only around these people who are so easy and perfect to be around and all of that, of course, it's not going to test me and test my spirit and test my, my heart. But when I'm around people who are sinful, just like myself, and they are selfish, or if they do things I disagree with, or if they're harsh, or if they're flaky or lazy, whatever it is, the way that I respond really shows who I am. Um, to that. And so while relationships are far from easy, I like to view them in the sense of like, man, this is what God uses really to sanctify us. You see it in marriage, you see it in parenthood. It sanctifies our hearts. It makes us more like him. And I just, I think my whole life, I mean, since I became a Christian, I always just, I want to be better. I want things that make me better. I don't want to be comfortable. I don't want to be stagnant. And I think discomfort is a really, really good thing. And sometimes that's relationships, you know, even within the church, they can be so hard and so defeating and discouraging, but that fellowship, the time together, the accountability for your marriage, um, the, or for your, any relationship, a family relationship. I had so many people walk me through difficult familial relationships in community mm -hmm. groups when I was a teenager. So it's just that they're so important for our faith. They, it's the accountability. It is the intentionality where you have to die to yourself and serve and love other people and be more about them than you are about you. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I just, I feel like they are so impactful to the way that we live our lives. And if it weren't for, I always say this, like if it weren't for women who allowed me to come over my friends and like cry on their floor or call them in the middle of the night, I don't think I would still be married if I didn't have people to really, encourage me in those moments of like, Hey, I'm, I feel betrayed or I feel broken or I feel lonely or, you know, whatever happens in the midst of that. Um, I really, I don't know that I would still be, if I didn't have them pointing me 
back to Jesus and back to commitment Mm -hmm. in those moments when I was wanting to be very selfish Mm -hmm. or just run with my emotions. I love that lens. It, it, um, it's so popular today to talk about like, Oh, you got to surround yourself with, you know, the like-minded growth-minded sort of people and very easy to kind of maybe, I don't know, neglect, like, like you were talking about those people that maybe aren't so easy, maybe a little energy draining or, Mm -hmm. or something like that. But, you know, when I, when I read the Bible, I don't see Jesus avoiding all the, the frustrating sinful people that, you know, ticked him off. Right. He, he he went to the places where there were, you know, publicans and tax collectors and, and all the, the sinful people. Right. But we're all, you know, we're all (laughs) sinful. So it's impossible to avoid sinful people in this world. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I just talked to a friend today about this and I have a a podcast episode on the living easy podcast about toxic relationships and hard relationships because it is a really, really challenging thing because God says, you know, forgive 70 times seven, seven, um, be gracious. And, and I know so much of that calling is for us and for our spirit and for our, I think clarity in mind, but it's also to show that we understand the depth of what Jesus did on the cross for us. There's a quote that says, and I, I don't know that anybody knows the actual source because every time I look it up, it has a different source, but it basically says, uh, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. You're really sitting in that place of saying, I don't owe this to you. I am going to live in this. I'm going to sit in the burden. But the thing is, is when we're sitting in that unforgiveness, those people are living their lives. You know, they might still, they might have some resentment toward you, but your resentment toward them is not impacting them even in the slightest. And so really it's just a burden that we carry on our own shoulders. And Mm -hmm. I, I, I strongly believe in forgiving, but also setting boundaries. I think there's a place that we for me, I have relationships where I'm like, I'll see you every two months for two hours. And I don't say that to them. It's just the way that I plan it works out that way. And sure. it's so that I can love them in the best way, because if I'm around them too long, there's one particular person in, in my family that I struggle with. And if I'm around this person for too long, I become kind of an awful version of myself. Like it's that stuff that pours out. And so I know I'm being tested and I know in those moments, I'm like, Lord, okay, this stuff is still here. Like I still need, I'm repenting and I'm still having to work through this. And I'm still talking to a counselor about this relationship. But I also know that this person makes me feel small and I like, I have to walk on eggshells and in those situations, it just makes me more frustrated or more cold or more short with them. And so when I set those boundaries that are healthy, boundaries, I know that I'm doing it so that I can love them better and, and also not pour out that, um, stress or frustration out onto my immediate family when I come home because I'm overwhelmed. And so I know people, Christians have a really hard time with boundaries because it's either like love, 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 forgive, forgive, forgive. And then they feel like they're being walked all over Mm -hmm. versus also saying, you know, there is a place too of loving and forgiving them from a distance and allowing that to happen as well. Yeah. I, do you ever listen to any of Jordan Peterson stuff? My husband does. I do not. (laughs) 
but I, I hear it in the background. I think her husband and I would get along. I geek out on Probably. Jordan Peterson stuff, but he I've heard yeah. him talk about resentfulness being mm-hmm. like, you know, I like how you called it basically like a poisonous mindset. And, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I, I have some experience with people that I think maybe are, are poisoned with, with being resentful in a, in a little bit of ways. Um, so I thought that was a really interesting comment, but I totally agree with you just being purposeful about how you choose to spend your time and energy can be so valuable. And, you know, it takes some courage to do that, especially if you're used to being very accommodating and and acquiescing a lot. Mm -hmm. And um, so I I, think so much of it is like who you give weight to. And I think maybe this has come. I just, I turned 31 and I'm like, okay, I've lived most of my life heavily people pleasing. Mm -hmm. And it's still something I struggle with being on social media and having a platform, whatever you call it, those things that it can cause you to really struggle and is a Mm -hmm. constant back and forth in my life of having to look to Jesus instead of looking at myself as a reflection in the mirror, you know, and making my name known when it's very tempting to do that. Like, Lord, Mm -hmm. it is not about me. Help me to die to myself. Help me to kind of lay down my life. I mean, truly for you, even in this realm of ministry and social media, because it's weird how it can become so muddled. But I, I think once you also step back and just say, gosh, I am going to live so much of my life for other people. And I have heard quotes from people on their deathbeds, you know, and they do those books of people on their deathbeds or statistics a lot of them are saying, I wish I would have lived less for all of the people around me. And this is not to say live selfishly YOLO, you know, like that's not at all what I'm saying. I, I believe it's weird to live for the kingdom and for Jesus. And if we lived for Jesus rather than other people, our lives would look so different. I mean, they really Mm -hmm. would even more so than for ourselves. Even if we live for ourselves, it gets so messy and sinful. Um, but it's who are we giving this weight to? Because we can love this person who hurts us or who is just unhealthy for us from a distance. Mm -hmm. And we can still be there for them and be a shoulder to cry on if they need us. But I think there's also a place of like, am I giving them the weight to criticize me or to talk down or to hurt or whatever it might be. And then I'm stealing a lot of that weight from the people in my life who are really good and who Mm -hmm. are really kind and who, who, rejoice when I rejoice and celebrate my wins and point me to Jesus and hold me accountable and call me out when I need to in a gracious and loving way. But instead I'm allowing these critics to hold so much weight Mm -hmm. that it's tearing me down. And then I'm stealing from these people. And so that's been a thing that I've kind of been processing through a lot lately is who do I give that weight to? And, Mm -hmm. and have they earned that weight? Do they deserve that weight? And has God called me to give them that kind of weight in my life? And it's given me a lot of peace. That's really good. That's really good. I, I interviewed a manifestation coach recently mm. wow. and her episode actually just went up today, Desiree cool. Cruz. And, um, she talks about having, you know, you basically have your standards, right. Mm-hmm. You have, and, and certain standards, you know, like faith and, and honor, and there's just certain behavior that you won't allow around you. And, and so if you keep tolerating certain behaviors that are, are cancerous to your relationships or, or harmful to you to where you can't serve your family in the way that God intended you to be able to, then it, you have to set that healthy boundary, but not that, like you said, you, you're still there for their shoulder, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're a shoulder to cry on if needed. And, and um, 
you're right. It's a, it's a tough topic. Lindsay, you cover it well. If you're not following Lindsay, you need to be following her at living easy with Lindsay on Instagram and you better check out the living easy podcast. It is good stuff. So, um, I want to ask you about marriage tips. I just got back from a bachelor party with my younger brother who is 22 oh. and about to get married this week. Okay. And um, so I was with a bunch of, uh, of young kids. I remember back in college, I used to think the 23 year old guy in the baseball team, we called him grandpa Charlie because he was so old at 23. <laughs> yeah. And now Isn't I think crazy? back to 23 and it doesn't seem so old anymore. No, not at all. But no, um, all. you know, I know you have a lot of great marriage advice and you've had expert after expert on your show and, and talking about relationships. What yeah. advice would you give to a 22 year old couple who are about to embark on something as, as amazing as marriage? Man, that's a good question. Big question. I, yes, I feel so passionately about marriage. I, I really love my marriage. Like I have so much fun with Jesse and that is not because it just comes naturally to us. We actually are so incredibly different in our relationship that it's taken a lot of intentionality, but I knew the second I got married and actually the second I got engaged that I was going to do everything in my power, probably because of how I grew up and what I saw to make my marriage work, no matter what it took. And I remember one night we had just gotten married. I mean, days in probably, and we got into a huge fight and I don't even remember what it was about, but I went and he was in his office and I went and sat on the couch and I had a moment because most of my relationships, I mean, all of my relationships up until this point were very unhealthy. And so I was very comfortable sitting in my sin and my stubbornness and just waiting it out for days until I communicated. Mm -hmm. And I just felt the Holy spirit tell me, Lindsay, you can choose your pride and yourself, or you can choose your marriage. And the longer you sit in this pride and you, the longer you sit in, in focusing more on pointing Jesse back at you and how he hurt you and what he's doing to you, the more damage you're going to do on your relationship. But the more you point him back to Jesus and love him toward Jesus, the more joy and peace you're going to have in your relationship. And I was like, oh, okay. So I got up and I walked in and I said, I'm sorry for what I said and what I did. And please forgive me. No buts, no you know, and I always tell people like with arguing, no buts, no justifications, no, like say you're sorry when you're apologizing and let that be it. And he just kind of looked at me and said, thank you. And then he didn't apologize. And like every fiber in me wanted to scream because I'm like, oh no, I take it all back. I don't. Um, but a few hours later, it took him more time. He came to me and he apologized. And I mean, I think that would be the greatest thing for me is like, my greatest piece of advice. So just be humble yourself, humble yourself before Jesus, humble yourself before your spouse, because pride will only destroy. When I see people in relationships that they start working out and they start getting fit and maybe their spouse isn't, um, or they're just feeling good about themselves. It's interesting to me. And this is something I've been realizing and seeing lately that they get into this sense of maybe, confidence and pride and a little entitlement 
Mm-hmm. And every small thing that their spouse starts doing becomes a bigger thing because for them, they get to this place of like, I deserve more now. I deserve more because marriage isn't easy. You have a lot of moments of separation and disconnect and intimacy disconnect and all of it. But when you get into that place where it becomes about you, it gets so messy. And I've, I've shared on my podcast and um, I'm very open about like, I've had temptation. I share when I was in high school, like I needed that attention. I needed that relationship. And when I'm feeling lonely in my marriage, my first thought is like back to what ifs or, you know, just temptation as a whole with other men. And I always have to tell Jesse right off the bat, like, Hey, this guy said hello at the gym today. And it like totally threw me off and I can't stop thinking about it. And I don't know why it's sitting there with me. Mm-hmm. Can you just like pray for me? And I know not all couples can handle this. Jealousy is not a jealous dude. He's not a jealous dude. So it works for us. Um, but he'll be like, yeah. And he'll pray. And then he'll ask questions, which again, has come from a lot of intentionality mm-hmm. uh, and communication practice and stuff. But then he'll say like, Hey, what are you missing from me? What are some areas in our marriage right now that you're missing from me and that I'm lacking in? Am I making you feel lonely? Am I making you feel unattractive? Am I making you feel unseen? And I do the same with him when he comes home from whatever the work and had somebody say something to him. We're very, very open with each other about that temptation and about other people Mm -hmm. because it gets in your head and then it just kind of manifests and you start to entertain the ideas and the enemy gets a foothold. So I would say one, humble yourself and focus on number two, focus on Jesus more than you focus on yourself. Because if you keep your eyes on the kingdom, you keep your eyes on this commitment. Um, There's a great book by Francis Chan called you and me forever. And he just says, we don't have time for these petty arguments. The kingdom is at hand. Like we, we think that this world, that this marriage is so important and like, it's great. Marriage is great. It is what it is, but this isn't the ultimate thing. Like our marriage is pointing people back to God. We are furthering the kingdom through our marriage. And that is the point of it. And so I really take that to heart. Um, and then three, I would say have sex as often as you can, like have sex all the time, seriously, (laughs) because if you're feeling grumpy, it helps that if you are feeling frustrated, it helps that if you're feeling um, disconnected, it can help that, but there are so many aspects. And if you guys listen to the living easy podcast, I have a whole sex and Christianity series where we talk about, um, I mean, kind of everything. Like we talk about pornography, we talk about masturbation. We talk about, um, the, like being a 30 year old woman who just doesn't desire to have sex with her spouse, being a man who doesn't desire to have sex with his spouse, which is much more common than people think. And, why those things happen. So I wish I could get into all of it, but there are so many reasons and there are so many ways that you can process through a lack of intimacy. And it's one of the greatest downfalls of a relationship. When we let that go, even the Bible says, don't take time away from each other physically because the enemy will get a foothold in your marriage. You start feeling ugly. You start feeling unseen. You start feeling unwanted. And then you're looking for that in other places. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this, I, I always speak to women specifically. Even if you don't feel like you want to have sex, I understand. Sometimes you're tired your brain. If you have babies, I have two little boys. It's a lot. But can you get there? And that's what I always tell women to ask themselves. Can you get there? Even if you don't feel like it, even if you don't want to, even if you're, you have a headache actually, or if you're just exhausted, can you allow your body to get there? If your husband is to pursue you, or if it's a husband, if your wife is to pursue you, 
-hmm. It is like a, it's a delayed satisfaction. It's a delayed response that it might take 10 minutes of warming up. Uh, I always say women are like crock pots. Like it takes a really long time for us to get there because so much of the connection is emotional, Mm -hmm. but will you be willing to give yourself and your spouse the opportunity instead of shutting it down right away? You will find so much more strength within your marriage. If you do allow for that. Um, Mm. it bonds you. I mean, it really just connects you. It makes you one. Like the Bible says, God created sex. It's a gift. It's not a shameful thing. And I think we kind of have to get that out of our heads as well. So humble yourself, focus on the Lord, love them toward the Lord and have lots of sex. That's great (laughs) advice. My wife and I were driving the other day. We're actually listening to your sex series. Oh, really? uh, Yeah. I really like the tip too. Like if you're having trouble, my wife and I have a very open relationship as well. And we started that way. We, we had what I like to call the talk where, on, on one of our early uh, nights together, we basically aired out all our dirty laundry yeah. and, and like shared right. everything that could possibly like come up later that could cause mm-hmm. jealousy or anger or, or be a riff in our marriage. Yeah. And I encourage people to, to do that. Just it, it's so freeing. And, and if mm-hmm. you're still going to stay together and get married after something like that, and after, after really knowing a person like that, yeah. then you can probably make it through just about anything. Amen. But we were listening to your show and, um, one of the the guests you had on, I can't remember her name, but one one piece of advice she had was was listening to content like yours mm-hmm. with your spouse. You know, if you're having trouble bridging those conversations or or bringing up things you're feeling, you know, listen to good Christian godly content about it, and you know, it can basically bring up those things for for you, so you yeah. don't have to be be trying Awkward. to figure out how to share those in in a in a good way, you know. Yeah. Well, and even that's another part of the community and the fellowship is having those people in your sphere because it was, it's always refreshing. Like when you have somebody at your dinner table and something happens and then they say, Oh my gosh, my wife always does that. Or, Oh my gosh, my husband always does that. It immediately makes you feel less crazy and less Mm -hmm. alone and less like your marriage is doomed because everyone struggles. And so, yes, absolutely. Listening to podcasts. Um, I do have a course called the wife project and it's been, God has really just blessed it tremendously. Um, it's a 10 hour course where I speak to wives specifically about marriage and it's the subtitle is roommates to soulmates because my heart is to connect you. So I talk about really nitty gritty stuff. And then I have a 55 page wife project journal that gives actionable challenges, like go to your husband and ask him this specifically, and then talk about this and then memory verses that they can memorize to help them. And then also tons of journaling questions to really like, Hey, mm-hmm. what is the deep, what are the deep seated issues within this relationship? What are the deep seated issues in your sex life? Um, I also talk about kind of betrayal and forgiveness and resentment, even in the small things when you don't realize how much we're carrying of that. So mm-hmm. I do that, but I also have had a lot of women who have said, I took the wife project and my husband ended up watching the whole thing with me. Um, which was really cool because while it's geared toward wives, because I am a wife and that's who I speak to, which Jesse and I are going to be doing a course together next year, which I'm excited about. Very but, cool. Yeah. But we feel like, you know, I'm like, I, I know what I have gone through. I know I speak to so many women. I'm always asking people questions. And then of course, having a podcast, you hear perceptions and mm-hmm. ideas and you're so lucky. Like we're just so lucky to have that opportunity. And so I love sharing it, but Um, I also just feel like God has given me just such a passion for this that I want to share. 
but it's cool to hear like you listening to the podcast when it was initially geared toward women and now it's really branched out and opened up to men. And it allows people who didn't grow up with strong communication in their families to then learn that and then make a generational impact on their children and their grandchildren and how they communicate and how they love one another in marriage, because we don't realize how much our children see and we can tell them until we're black and blue in the face to communicate and to use their words. Mm -hmm. But if they're not seeing that between the wife and the husband and their parents, they are really essentially they're learning exactly what you're displaying to them. And so I think it is important, you know, go to marriage retreats, listen to podcasts, listen to sermons in the morning together. That's what Jesse and I do Mm -hmm. and find interest, take interest in one another's hobbies and things, because it just opens that barrier of friendship that I think we all kind of lose as we stay married for longer periods of time. I think people are so quick to focus on like your business, right? You're an entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. lots going on. You can put a lot of focus there, but, but they don't see how much they have an impact on their immediate circle and their family. And like you said, you know, that's going to be generational, right? Like, like that's so important. So all these leaders out there, if you really want to make an impact, start with your family, start with your immediate circle, start with your Mm -hmm. marriage and your spouse. And I really liked what you said earlier about, you know, you told that story, how you humbled yourself and went to Jesse, right. And said, I'm sorry. And then he didn't say it back. And it was frustrating. Like I can totally relate to that, but you know, I, I feel like the the resentment that I see in certain people that I know, you know, it comes from that, like they owe me an apology sort of attitude. And I'm not, I'm not going to let my guard down, let my pride down and just, you know, love them enough to forgive them. Even if, you know, I think they owe me something or whatever, right? Like if nobody, if one person doesn't do it, it's not, then nothing's going to do know, it. What's your, yeah. what's your quote? Nothing changes if nothing changes. Yeah, right? yep, absolutely. I yeah. Absolutely. I, I believe that. I think that we, I, I just wrote something actually the other day and I don't know what it actually says, but I said, ultimately pride and lack of forgiveness will destroy any relationship. And how does it destroy it? All that we have to do is sit back and let it do that. Like, mm-hmm. that's really it. Like, if you sit back and you just watch the relationship crumble because you're unwilling to have the conversation, you're unwilling to forgive, um, you're unwilling to humble yourself a little bit, you are going, like, you don't have to actually do anything. You just let it crumble. And I feel so strongly that you going to one another is uncomfortable. When you have a friend situation or a coworker situation, it is so uncomfortable. Nobody wants to do that. But when you're the bigger person, you go out of your way. It's not always promised that you're going to have a great result. But most of the time, if you approach it with humility and you say, hey, even if you don't know what you did, I'm not sure what I did wrong, but I feel like I may have done something. And I want to say, I'm sorry to you if I have hurt you or offended you. Um, But if you have done something, then you are specific with what you did and you ask for forgiveness for that thing specifically, and you don't justify or offer butts or anything. And usually, I mean, nine out of 10 times, you're going to come out stronger than you were. That doesn't mean your relationship will be better because maybe that discomfort kind of created a dissension between you. 
but at least there is more peace. There's more peace mm-hmm. in your heart. Romans 12 says, live peaceably with all so far as it depends on you. I am so like, I just, I hone in on that so much on the podcast because you have the opportunity to live peaceably with all, but you do have to be intentional. You have to love like Christ loved. You have to know what you've been forgiven for in order for yourself to forgive other people. Because I think it, it just takes that place of like, man, Lord, I'm just nothing. I am mm-hmm. nothing. And I have sinned against you. You are a holy, majestic God. And I am nothing. And you have forgiven me and washed me white as snow and let me start a completely new life. Mm-hmm. And yet I can't let this one thing about this text message go. Like it seems so petty and juvenile really right. when you think about it. <laughs> and I think it's just in the scheme of it. It's like, okay, I can, I can get over this stupid little text message mm-hmm. and move on with my life and, and ask for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I love that. I love that. I think one other thing I'd, I just encourage people that you, you said it, you, you went right to God's word and, and what, what that Romans verse was. Right. And you can't do that unless you're in God's word and you know, God's word. And, and you talked about, waking up in the morning and being in God's word with your husband, yeah. like you, you can't beat that. And, and, you know, God's words really in the, in the Holy spirit's what's going to work in your heart to change your heart and your mind and, and bring you to a life in Christ Jesus, where, where you're living aligned with, with what he wants for you and, um, you know, living in his kingdom and bringing his kingdom to this world. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious what you do, and this is something I've kind of struggled with a little bit yeah. as a guy, right? We're the, we're the head of the family, right? We're the, we're the priest in our home. Mm-hmm. Um, we're Christ to our bride, the church in, in that picture. Yeah. And I, I think a, a lot of times we struggle with, okay, you know, it, it does the guy lead what, it, what's, what's the woman's role in leadership in the family? What do you and Jesse do and, and how do you how do you make sense of that in your mind and in roles of, of the husband versus the wife as far as leading the family? Sure. So I do have two whole sections about this on in the wife project. It's about two hours long because I this is probably one of the most common questions I receive. Um, probably at least like 20 women a month who are struggling with leadership in some capacity that their husband is not a believer or he's spiritually dry or he doesn't know how to lead or they don't know or understand what the role is supposed to look like. Um, for me, people have a really hard time with the idea of submission as a wife um, and leadership as a husband. They think that it is politically incorrect. They think that it is so archaic. And for me, and this is the best way I can even say it just personally, like if a hardcore feminist walked into my home and said, I free you from this role, I free you, Jesse, from being a leader. I mean, I don't know what he would say of that, but I free you, Lindsay, from being a submissive wife. I would say, no, thank you. (laughs) Like, I love the dynamic that my husband and I have because of just like what you said, Phil, he loves like Jesus loves the church. He loves me and not that that's perfectly at all. And I know that there are plenty of men out there who do not love this way. And I know that I'm very blessed to have a good man, Mm -hmm. but He leads me in a way, and I just want to call men up, whoever's listening right now, because as you're talking about with leadership, it begins around your dinner table. If there's something wrong with your dinner table, the rest of your ministry is a farce, like give it up. You know, that it's not, it's not real. If your home is not healthy, step up. 
And so I think for me in with Jesse, like seeing him lead imperfectly, like his faith has been rocky. And I knew that when we met, um, he's struggled. He's always in the word and he's always listening and he's always watching things to help strengthen him. But he also watches a lot of things that, that answer questions or that cause questions, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, um, his faith has been hard. And so there are times when I'm the one leading my kids to church. I'm the one, I mean, I'm definitely the spiritual leader in my home and you see throughout scripture. And I do talk about this on the course, but you see throughout scripture, many women in leadership roles and in the old Testament, even like you see their more less likely, but in more in the new Testament, but you see them in positions where they are speaking up and you see Jesus respect for these women like Mary, you know, and the love that he has. And that is the love that a man is to have for his wife in the leadership. And I think that the most beautiful relationships I have seen, and I've had the opportunity to like, just pick the brains of so many godly couples that have been married for years. And it is just a mutual respect is really what it is. It's saying, I'm not here to be domineering. I am not here to um, dominate or to kind of, I don't know, like squash your opinion or your ideas. I'm here to lift you up and raise you up and support you and point you back to the Lord in those areas. And, and for me, having a husband who loves well and who serves me relentlessly, it, it becomes, we kind of compete, like who can outserve the other person? Like he does the dishes and I'm like, okay, I'll do the laundry or I'll clean your office or, and that's become just like a game for us nice. because it, it helps us to feel special and loved, but then it also is just like fun, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so we see that in one another. And so when, because of that dynamic of respect in our home, when I say, Hey, I want to, this is an example. I want to sell our house. I just really feel like we should sell our house. The market is crazy. And he says, Hey, I love you. I respect your opinion. I've thought about what you said and we talk it out and he listens to everything. And then he says, but I strongly believe that the Lord is telling us to rent the house because here is why I'll mm -hmm. lay it out for you. What do you think about that? And I can still say, Oh, I don't know. And I don't think so. You know, like I don't feel strongly about it. And he will say, okay, like we can go to another couple and we can talk and see what their opinion is. Um, but I want you to know, I hear you and I see you. And this isn't always done perfectly. Again, like there are moments where I'm like, whoa, that was harsh and you don't rule the house, you yeah. know, but I have learned and I've come to a place where he says that, like, I strongly feel like I want to do this. And I say, you know what? We have mutual respect. You are the leader of my home. Mm -hmm. I don't want this on my shoulders anyway. So I appreciate passing it on to you. And I trust you to do that. The thing is, we have to let our spouse make mistakes sometimes. You have to let your wife make mistakes. He has to let me make mistakes. I have to let him make mistakes. And a lot of that comes with figuring it out. Like he has not always been a great leader. He would be the first to tell you that. He knows I speak about it. He leads better in his example and his love than he does like actually reading the Bible to me or, you know what I mean? It's just little things. And so I pick up that role in my home, knowing that God has given me power mm -hmm. to stand up and go to church. He's given me power to open up my Bible and read to my children. He's given me power to do all these things. I'm not going to heaven holding my husband's hand or on his back. You know what I mean? 
I'm going in on my own and I'm responsible for myself and my faith. And so I'm not going to justify because he's not going to church that I'm going to church. So I think that's very important and vice versa. You know, you can't force your spouse to love Jesus or to come with you or to submit um, to decisions that you make, but you can love them so well and respect Mm -hmm. them so well that they want to trust you, that they desire to trust you. And that's kind of where we're at, where I'm like, you know, I may think you're making a poor decision, but I trust you and I mm-hmm. respect you. And you've earned that respect and that love, even though you failed me many, many times, you've still earned that respect and love. And I know that Jesus is leading you. And so I will let you make that decision. And it's just given me immense peace. And it is a, a dynamic in our home that I just really, I love, and I would not want it any other way personally. Wow. Very cool. Very cool. Very unique answer too. I, my, my, Long-winded. Uh, <laughs> what, no, I love it. My, one of my brother, he, um, has a piece of advice that he shared with me that it is basically around setting expectations for your role because you'll end up fighting over, you know, who does the laundry, who does the dishes, mm-hmm. you know, and, and everyone, you get to a point and I'm seeing it now, now that I have a, a child, right. It's like, yeah. you get to this point where there's just a lot to do. Mm-hmm. And, and both of you have a lot to do. Right. And, and it starts to be, well, who's doing more and whose turn is it to yeah, do that? that. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and um, you know, just really establishing, cause I I've seen where people had expectations for their spouse and they didn't meet those expectations. I mean, mm-hmm. they probably didn't communicate it well, what those were, or, you know, maybe they're an unrealistic yeah. or something like that, but you know, then their spouse doesn't meet them. And then everything's like you said, starts to fall apart and, and do that downward spiral, which is just going nowhere, nowhere. But Jesse uh, always says expectations are the greatest destru- destroyer of any relationship. And I would agree. I think we did that. We did that for years, especially after baby number two, yeah. it was like, I'm doing all of this and you're not doing any of this. And, and then like your intimacy falls off because you're bitter and you're pissed. And we're like, it's, it's just this competition. Oh, and I think, I mean, sometimes it's just, man, it's just a hard season. Like having yeah. little kids is a really hard season and it can be challenging, but I would say two things. One is how you go to one another. How am I communicating the fact that it bothers me that you leave the, the conversation we just had the peanut butter knife on the counter. Like it's just turn around, <laughs> not even 180 degrees and put it in the sink, you know? Oh, and I, instead of saying, in, in a moment of peace in a moment of, of just like getting along, it was a moment where we were both stressed out of the kids. Mm-hmm. And I just like, I don't even remember. I was just agitated and walked past and was like, Hey, it would be really nice if you could just put your knife in the sink and sink. Like it's right. not hard. So condescending and rude. And he, he, I mean, naturally responds with extreme defensiveness. And then we're both at each other's throats right. instead of like being aware of my tone, being aware of my timing, like timing is so important in conversations and communication that when we're laughing and we're on the couch watching a show and eating popcorn together or whatever, I'm like, Hey, you want to know something really silly that kind of bothers me that maybe if you don't mind, you could work on. And it's not me like pandering to him or him pandering to me. It is love and respect of one another, you know, Mm -hmm. like, Hey, I would just, this is something that maybe you don't even think about. You didn't grow up thinking about this, but it's something after nine years that kind of bothers me a little bit. <laughs> Could you change it? Yeah. And 
it, once we finally had a civil conversation about it, he's like, yeah, it's not a big deal. Like I genuinely just, I'm sorry. Like I'm in a rush and I'm making lunch and then I have a call cause he's a busy, busy guy. And then I go and since then, like it hasn't happened again, you know? Right. So I think it's that. And then, uh, I had a second thing, but I forgot what it was. <laughs> sorry. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So we're anyway, all, we're always leaving wadded up paper towels on the counter. Right. Okay. And then the dog gets them and tears them oh. up. What and kind so- of dog do you have? We have a golden doodle. Oh, oh golden I love doodle. golden doodles. Okay. Do you have dogs? Cute. Yeah, I have a Yorkie Schnauzer mix. He's oh, really okay. cute. He's little. We found him. And then um, Maltese, poo, Maltese poodle mix. He's little too. Awesome. Well, Lindsay, <laughs> yeah. this has been super fun. We're coming up on time. We can keep talking. Yeah. I know because this is obviously close to your heart and, and mine. But what are you doing? I know that you mentioned the wife project. What all are you up to? Where can people find you? Um, yes, you can find me on the Living Easy podcast and on Instagram at Living Easy with Lindsay. The podcast goes over. We do talk about marriage quite a bit, but I talk about pretty much everything. I do have a series that I'm planning right now um, where I'm going to kind of get into the depths of kind of like theologically hell and heaven and sin and the enemy and all of that. And I'm really excited for that. Um, and then yeah, Jesse and I are working on a course together for the spring. Wife Project actually only opens quarterly, so we may be opening it in the fall or the winter this year. It is closed right now, but you can get on the wait list at the link in my bio on Instagram. And yeah, that's pretty much it right now. I have some other things in the works, but I can't talk about them yet. <laughs> Uh-oh, super so, secrecy. Yeah. Well, hey, before we go, before we go, y'all make sure you go subscribe, follow Lindsay. Got one more question for you. Yeah. I love this question. I always ask people this question because one of the reasons I started this podcast was because I was thinking about my grandfather who, who has since passed. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, you know, it would be so cool to have been around and see, you know, my grandfather having conversations before he lost his mind in his, his later years. And, and then I was thinking, man, how cool would it be if like I could watch my great grandpa or my great, great grandpa just sitting talking with some, some cool person who had cool perspectives. And so, mm-hmm. You know, thinking with that sort of perspective in mind, thinking that, you know, your great, great, great grandchildren might see great grandma Lindsay talking with Uncle Phil. (laughs) That's so bizarre. Right. (laughs) It's like bizarre world, right? So like, what would you want to leave them with if you could only leave them with one, you know, one or two things? Oh my goodness. Um, I would just say, I guess what's been heavy on my heart lately is relationships really are, are it, you know, I always ask the question, do you look more into the screen of your phone than you look into the eyes of your wife or of your children? And I think that's the world that we live in right now where our phones are our obsession. They're an addiction. I mean, they really are an addiction and I don't see it getting better. I don't see technology getting better. And I would just say, don't waste your life on petty things. Don't waste your life on technology or likes and scrolling through lives of people that you've never met. It is so empty and focus in on the people around you focus in on those relationships because they really are all that last. And I think let go of those petty arguments and those silly things, because you, once you get to a place in your life where you realize, you know, those acquaintances and the success and all of it, like we see it in the lives of celebrities, it is it's empty and it doesn't offer anything, all that money, all this stuff. Um, 
just focus on your people, like be with your people, love your people well, and enhance the kingdom, you know, share the gospel. Don't be afraid of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Speak it boldly and speak it loudly and live with purpose. Like we can live trying to make much of ourselves. And at the end of our lives, what is that? You know, it's really, really empty. So how, what kind of eternal purpose do you have in your life? What kind of legacy are you creating for the glory of God? Um, make much of the little time that you have. Amen, sister. I'm loving it. Hey, I'll go thanks follow. so much for having me, Phil. Yeah, thanks for coming, it. Lindsay. It's uh, sure. Lindsay Maestas, M-A-E-S-T-A-S, at Living Easy with Lindsay on Instagram, sparrowsandlily.com. And she's on TikTok, Jesse and Lindsay, Facebook, Pinterest. And go check out The Wife Project. I think The Wife Project is super cool. I'm glad to see it succeeding. Thank you so much. If you think someone would benefit from hearing this episode or any of this content, please share it and send them over to GoLeadEverything.com to learn more. It has been amazing to hear about all the individuals who listen to and are getting value from the content here at GLE. Thank you for your support. You are the reason we do what we do. See you next time. Go Lead.